Welcome to IAB Europe's podcast, Digital Dawn, the podcast that brings insights and learnings from the digital advertising and marketing industry to light to spark new ideas into existence and help our industry to thrive. In our latest episode, Marie-Claire Puppet, Marketing and Insights Director at IAB Europe, speaks with James Collins, SVP Media at Rakuten Advertising, about AVOD and the role it plays in economic uncertainty. They discuss what it means for advertisers, what actions should be taken, and how AVOD will evolve over the next couple of years. So wherever you are tuning in today, we hope you can take something new away with you on the role AVOD plays in the media mix. Welcome everyone to IAB Europe's Digital Dawn podcast. So my name is Marie-Claire Puffett. I am the Marketing and Insights Director here at IAB Europe. I'm here with James Collins, who is SVP of Media for Rakuten Advertising. So James, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. As Marie said, my name's Jim Collins, actually, is what most people call me. I head up the media business within Rakuten Advertising. What has been your peak of the week? so far, either personally or professionally? Well, I'm going to start with a personal one. After what some people might call an error of judgment, I got my eight-year-old son a set of drums for Christmas. And this morning, he seems to have progressed somewhat from hitting them randomly to actually being able to hit out a beat. So for me and for my family, for everyone's sanity, that's that's definitely the highlight of the week so far. Professionally, it's that time of year where I think we all look back a little, understand how we progressed through last year and look forward in terms of planning out and understanding what we're going to do and get everyone pointed in the right direction. Certainly my role at Rackerton Advertising has the pleasure of looking back over a great 2022, growing a really talented, smart team around the media business and then looking forward to more growth. So my highlight this week really is being able to reflect on all our success and helping everyone kind of understand what's ahead in 2023. Real milestone for you and your family for the drums. <laughs> There's nothing worse, is there, than the children and musical instruments sometimes. So before we dive into today's main topic that we're going to be talking about, just want to get a bit more of an insight into your role as the SVP for media at Rakuten. So how is it that you got to where you are now? And is there anything key that you've learned along the way you could share with our listeners? Sure. So look, I've actually been with Rakuten now for about eight years. I've had a number of different roles. The reason I'm at Rakuten in the first place is because I ran a business which was acquired by Rakuten, specifically by Rakuten Marketing, to integrate the technology which we had into their affiliate performance business. I've been working to open up our owned and operated media to consolidate Rakuten media globally and ensure that we're making the most of that and enjoying bringing brands to the audiences that we have across the globe, which is, I think, mostly we're going to talk today about Rakuten TV in Europe, but we also have a global streaming service called Viki, which is made up of Korean and Asian dramas and TV, as well as a chat app, Viber, and some e-commerce platforms around the globe. So it's a reasonably varied kind of set of media, but one which I've set out to, in the last couple of years, bring together to understand how valuable the audiences are for brands and advertisers globally. In terms of something key that I've learned along the way, look, outside of the professional kind of aspects, I think that my personal kind of learnings are be brave, make sure that you're looking to break some of the norms and to break some of the expected behaviours of any organisation. Enjoy the people that are around you, make sure the people you hire and bring on are smarter than you and enjoyable to be around. 
And most of all, and I know that this is probably easily said within the media business, have some fun along the way. Because none of the revenue growth, none of the progress you make professionally makes a jot of difference if you're not having fun doing it. Great. I think that's a really good piece of advice, actually, to make sure you're working with people that almost like spark joy and have fun because you're right. We spend a lot of time at work. We need to be enjoying it. We're going to move on now to our main subject, which is about AVOD. Obviously, Rakuten has recently published a new piece of European research called Advertising in Economic Uncertainty, the Role of AVOD. And you can actually access the full report on the IAB Europe Knowledge Hub if you wish to. But before we dive into the insights from the report, what they mean for advertisers and advertising, can you just explain quickly to our listeners what AVOD actually is? Well, let's start with what it stands for. AVOD is Ad Supported Video on Demand. There's lots of VODs. There's TVOD, SVOD, even PVOD these days. So the VOD stands for Video on Demand. And look, the ways that people watch content these days, certainly over the last five years, has been very much moving to streaming, which is video on demand. And how you access that delineates whether it's AVOD, TVOD, or SVOD. So SVOD, subscription video on demand, TVOD, transactional video on demand, and AVOD, ad-supported video on demand. So essentially free to watch. I will also just plug a little mention for FAST, which although we talk generally about AVOD as the main kind of product these days, FAST is pretty up and coming in terms of accessibility and how people are starting to watch content. So FAST stands for free ad-supported streaming television. When we talk about advertising and AVOD, we're often talking about AVOD and FAST. hope that makes sense. That's great. Thank you. I'm just curious, one question. You mentioned PVOD. I've not heard of a PVOD. <laughs> okay. Premium video on demand. So one thing that I think a lot of the streaming platforms like Apple, Amazon, and Rakuten learned yeah. over lockdown and the pandemic was that releasing content at the same time or instead of releasing it into cinemas was actually a very successful kind of platform. Yeah. So without cinemas being opened, a lot of films went straight to streaming services, went straight to Amazon or Rakuten or Apple yeah. at a premium price. So you'll see, I think the latest example I had, I watched with my family, was the latest Top Gun movie, which was out in the cinema at the same time as on a streaming platform, I think for 13 or 14 mm. pounds. It was a much more premium yeah. price. It's What you're getting is the choice, the chance to watch it at home with your family at the same time as cinema. So PVOD. It's just been added to my lexicon as well over the last few months. Great. So that's another VOD. It's a really good point because I recall during lockdown, we have a Disney Plus subscription and I could pay to rent or watch one of the Disney films before it actually came out on the Disney Plus platform. So I guess that's another example of PVOD, which I'm going to add to my vocabulary. Maybe there's a bit of an aside. Obviously, cinema and traditional kind of cinema experiences have definitely been on the decline during and post-pandemic. But some of the research shows that consumers are very happy to spend a little bit more to watch it at home. If you think about the value exchange between one cinema ticket and watching it with three or four people at home, it, it kind of makes sense. I think we'll see more of it moving forward. Diving into the research then, I've had a good read of it and I think everyone should have a look. So there's really interesting insights in there. Some real kind of standout stats. So a couple of them, I'm just going to plug now. So one is 62% of consumers say that they will be watching more AVOD as a direct result of the cost of living crisis. Just reminding people, obviously the report is called Advertising in Economic Uncertainty, the role of AVOD. So that's a really 
prominent stat. And then the other one is 35% of consumers want the ads to show them how brands are helping them. So I think these are quite significant insights for advertisers. And obviously the cost of living crisis seems to be shifting how consumers are thinking about their content and the advertising on them. What action from that do you think brands should take? If you were to name kind of one or two key things that brands should take from that, what would they be? Before we get to the increase in consumers watching AVOD as a choice, let's be clear. The last few years have been a journey from traditional content consumption on linear TV, cable TV in the US, to a more digital streaming-based viewing, which has meant that a lot of the audience that brands and advertisers used to reach on traditional linear TV have started to be chipped away. So some of those audiences were no longer there. I think the addition of a cost of living crisis and recession perhaps looming and tightening of belts generally has meant people are looking at, well, my Netflix subscription, your Disney Plus subscription, Apple TV, do we want to really have them all? Can we afford them all? So this kind of recent trend of we can access content on AVOD is more of a kind of continuation of that consumer behavior of moving from traditional to more streaming services. And look, that's around a change of availability and accessibility of those services. You turn on a new TV these days, you've got much more choice about what to watch and how to watch it alongside the more financial context that we're moving into. So look, in terms of brands and advertisers, they absolutely need to be working out how to reach these audiences. The majority of them are no longer watching traditional linear TV. The media plan from a brand, at an agency, if you want to reach your full audience, you need to be advertising on streaming enabled services. I guess that's the first thing that they need to take an action in terms of making sure that when they see a media plan, they've got AVOD services on there to reach that audience. In terms of the media bias specifically, let's be honest, it's made it a little more complex. Whereas before, a media plan based on reach and frequency could be quite easily put together. There's now some more complexity about, okay, we need some other line items on that media plan that might be specific to Racks and TV or Pluto or other AVOD services that ensures that they reach their targets. So on one hand, make sure you're on the plan, but I'm not denying that does cause a little more complexity on the buy side. So almost kind of break that media plan down a bit more, be a bit more detailed in terms of make sure you've got AVOD on there, making sure you've got key streaming services, that kind of thing. I was looking at the stats again, and there's a stat in there that says 86%, which is why viewers now watch some sort of content or video on demand. So obviously that's got to have an impact on the media plan at the end of the day. It's got to be on there, surely. For sure. And look, I know enough people at agencies that are diligently trying to reach their brand's objectives, which is to reach the right audience at the right frequency. And their questions now are, how do we get your inventory on the plan? How can we access it as directly as possible? In a, certainly in the UK, in a programmatic way, there's plenty of ways of reaching inventory, but it can often be via third parties or other platforms. So now they understand that putting it on the plan is important. The second job is making sure that they get as direct access to it as possible. And I was having a look through the report and there's some really good kind of tips and suggestions in there for buyers um, and advertisers. And one of them was to keep ads relevant, keep ads funny. 
Have you got any kind of practical tips for advertisers in trying to keep ads relevant and funny? The funny piece aside, I mean, look, everyone's got a slightly different sense of humour. I think most people enjoy a branding message that has some humour or some quirkiness in it. The key thing, I think, specifically in this area, is to ensure that you know your audience and that message is relevant or funny to that specific one, to engage them in the right way. And that's to make sure that you're contextually targeting them. Make sure that you're clear about who you want to reach and when you want to reach them, and what moment that they're going to be in while they're doing that. And look, there's some easy examples there in terms of reaching an audience within, I don't know, an action film or reality TV that there's a slightly different context. So one of my personal experiences is the opposite of relevant or funny is jarring, actually having an advert that seems out of place in the content that you're actually watching. So yeah, specifically with AVOD and digital content, there's easier ways of doing that, whether it's just putting on plan the content you want or the genre that you want is obviously the easiest way to do that. Can I ask you a question? What's the funniest advert or ad that you can remember? Gosh, that's a good question. Do you know the Specsavers ones? Should have gone to Specsavers. There's yeah, yeah, a, yeah. There was one in black and white. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. I always kind of think of that when I think of advertising that makes an impact. That you think, oh, actually, yeah, Specsavers, eyesight. It was all very relevant, quite funny, stuck in my head. So, yeah, I think that's probably one. Have you got one? Yes. That was going to be my example as well. Specsavers did oh, okay. a great job of taking a quite simple joke and expanding it into lots of different areas. Just on the research then, I would really encourage people, you know, if you're looking into this space, if you want to know more about AVOD, want some consumer stats, do go and download the Rakuten book. It is really insightful. Obviously, I think it shows that AVOD's fast services are key growth areas for consumers and advertising should probably follow that. What do you think is key to kind of making sure the advertising follows that over the next 12 to 18 months? What do you think needs to happen to make that happen? Just before we move on, a couple of comments about the report. You're right, it's pretty insightful in terms of its general direction, but then it also breaks down into each of the main European markets, kind of what's going on in terms of some specific questions and research there. And you'll notice there's some difference, right? I think the one area that I always ask people to be mindful of is specifically within Europe. It's not just one market. Uh, consumers are either a long way in terms of their path of using AVOD and FAST or just starting. But one thing is really clear is that it's growing across all of the European markets. Just be mindful about how you're going to reach them in each area. For instance, you know, the UK, probably a little further ahead than, say, France or Italy in terms of the amount of streaming viewed. But across the board, it's all growing. It's a really good point. And yeah, I'm really glad you pointed out actually that it's not the same across all markets in Europe. And it is good to you know make that differentiation. So thank you. So what's next, I think, was your question, right? Yeah. One of the most interesting aspects next will be the continuing or evolving value exchange between content provider and the consumers. So we are clearly entering a phase where AWOD and FAST are really important for advertisers and brands to get to those audiences and to make sure their messages are across. For me, there's a slight unknown with Netflix and Disney, I would say going half in on some of this stuff with their ad light tiers. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how consumers respond to something 
that's ad supported, but they still have to pay for. My gut feeling tells me that that will evolve over the next year or so into more of a kind of split between those that want to pay for content and those that are happy to watch ads to gain access to content. And I think what will drive that is continuation of more Google Gardens around things like Disney content that will mean you need to pay a premium to get there. And then access to other content across Avon and Fast, which I have to say over the last few years, more and more of the studios, more and more of the really premium content available free to watch with ads, I think will be a trend that continues on through the next couple of years. That's kind of, for me, the big topic this year is like what will happen with some of the bigger players coming in and having a light ad-supported tier. My guess is they'll be tweaked or changed in terms of price tiers, and that will be reflective of how consumers in each market will want to interact with them. But the other area I think is fast. We mentioned it right at the top of this podcast. The emergence of more traditional linear type experiences, free to watch with advertising, I think has been really interesting in the last couple of years. And you'll see most TV manufacturers as well as platforms now have a fast option to watch stuff on. And that's just really responding to the need or the ability for consumers just to watch what's on in a way which I didn't think was going to happen. As you went to video on demand, one of the key advantages for me was I can watch what I want, one one. And actually a lot more viewing is now done in a linear way. Turn the television on, you have channels that are very like traditional TV channels, but are actually digital. They're streaming channels. And that has both the benefits for the consumer to have a lean back experience, something they don't have to make a choice on. And I think if you look at some of the research around the amount of time it takes someone to take a choice on what to watch on Netflix or other platforms, it's remarkable. I think the average is 10 to 15 minutes. Just cutting that choice out, making it easier for someone to find something that they know they'll like by looking at an action channel or whatever, I think is going to continue to grow. And I think as you see more and more independent content makers with the technology that allows some of these distributors to free it and put it on a fast channel, I think that's going to be a really interesting area as well. So I think in the next few years, those two subjects will predominate. One is what happens with the new ad-supported tiers for subscription platforms and then how quickly fast also becomes an option for, for consumers. I can really relate with that spending 10, 15 minutes looking for something to watch. Um, <laughs> yeah, me that's me all the time because I'm not a huge TV person. And so when I open up Netflix or Disney or Rakuten or whatever it is, I look and I just think, I don't know what to watch because it's just too much. There's also a little window into my family. There's always a frustration, I think, with if you've got more than one person, just choosing what you want to watch. Yeah. If you've got kids, you'll know that that's often... Yeah the flashpoint for many arguments and it can take a while to overcome. Yeah. I've got a two-year-old, so at the moment it's not a big issue. She just okay. wants to watch CBBS, but, you know, I'm sure that will become an issue in time. <laughs> Something to look forward to. That really summarises what we can expect in this space, which I think is really great and some exciting developments. So we're just going to finish with a bit of a quick fire round. We're now okay. a month into 2023. Did you make any New Year's resolutions and have you managed to stick to them? I'll caveat that was I'm not really a person who makes many resolutions just because it's the beginning of the year, because I like to change my mind quite a lot. I like to do new things throughout the year. However, I'm not a great one for dry January. I feel like that may be a bad choice of mine, but I'm not sure. 
but for me, look, I, on a personal level, I think one of the things that I think everyone who works hard wants to do is spend more time with their family. So I think coming out of lockdown and the new working kind of environment that we're all in, I want to make sure that I'm still balancing time with my kids, time with my family, um, traveling as I do a lot and work. And that means allowing my family to have more say on when I'm away and what I'm doing. So however painful it's going to be, I'm going to talk to them about each month what I'm doing and how much I'm working and see what they've got to do, get some honest feedback from them. I think that's great. I think that's really good and super important and almost kind of makes you think why it's taking kind of lockdown and COVID, hasn't it, to change our thought process, I guess, which is interesting. A lot of us seem to be back in the office now, which is great, but let's not forget lessons mm. we've learned. Just switching topic a little bit. So sustainability seems to be on a lot of people's agendas. Do you or have you planned to make any kind of changes or personal strides on this this year? This is on everyone's mind, right? The motivation in my family is not just for me and what I'm thinking we should be doing, but for my kids as well. And my kids come home from school and ask some awkward questions like, why are you flying for work, Dad? So definitely there's some motivation across the board there. My ethos here is to make sure we minimise the amount of transport we do. I ride my bike everywhere and have done for the last couple of years. I want to get my kids out on bikes as well. So we use the car as little as possible. It's difficult when we live in the middle of nowhere and reducing the amount of flying I do this year. Great. Just one way we can all contribute, isn't it? And we can't finish a podcast about TV and advertising without asking you, do you have any TV recommendations? Oh, goodness. It may be not necessarily that useful for everyone else, but I quite enjoy a good documentary. I watched a fantastic one recently on the BBC, on the iPlayer, about the drawdown from Afghanistan and the last few days around the airport, which is quite an astonishing piece of TV, I have to say. For those of you that can put up with some of the reality of what this world is about and what decisions mean in terms of actual impact on people's lives, I thought it was a mesmerising and astonishing piece of TV, so I would recommend that one. That may not be the most popular for everyone. Actually, now you've said it, I recall seeing it advertised, thinking I must watch that. So thank you for the reminder. When I'm sitting there tonight, I won't sit for 10 or 15 minutes thinking, I know what I'm going to watch, so thank you. (laughs) I did struggle with that question because I know that when I settle down to watch for the half an hour I might have at the end of the day, I often choose something easy to watch. That's because you don't want to think too hard. You don't want to be presented with reality too much at the end of the day. But that one, I try and find some time to get some reality in as well. Yeah, I think that's important. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jim, for your time and for talking to us all things AVARD fast and what we can expect in that space. And just one last plug for the research. Do go download the Rakuten report. It's on the IAB Knowledge Hub if you want to, called Advertising in Economic Uncertainty, the Role of AVARD. And as I said, lots of great European insights in there. Thank you so much, Jim, for your time. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back with a new episode very soon. So be sure to subscribe and tell anyone else who might be interested to listen in too. For more information on IEB Europe, you can visit our website at www.ieburope.eu or contact us via at IEB Europe on Twitter. Thanks for listening and stay safe.